It's time to get it going. Happy Hump Day. It is Wednesday, and I am your managing editor, Nick Hausman, back for another edition of The Winkly. And I'm joined here, as I am just about every Wednesday, by my good buddy, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to The Winkly. Good to be back. Oh, it's so good. This is, you know, how is it out for you guys right now on the East Coast? Because right now here in Chicago, we are just finally getting spring, and it's very distracting. Like, I work from home. I want to leave all the time. Just go walk around outside. Yeah, no, it's very nice uh, here in Pittsburgh today. It's in the 60s, the sunshine. I'm actually looking at a very nice river at the moment uh, from where I'm talking to you at. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day. Oh, man, yeah. Well, thank you all very much for taking time out of your beautiful day to listen to this podcast. I imagine you are outside in a hammock somewhere, uh, possibly watching a squirrel fight for a nut or something outside. You know, the beautiful things in life. Uh, oh, wait, here, one second. Um... Oh, yeah, here we go. Sorry, I thought I misplaced my run sheet there. Wouldn't that have been an awful way to start the show? <laughs> hey, you can just wing it. I pulled up yesterday's run sheet. I was like, this isn't the news. CM Punk returned over the weekend. Uh, no, we're, we're back here. we got a lot to get to here today. Uh, we have two big interviews, two big world champions on the show here today. Uh, I've got an interview playing here later after the news. My interview with ROH World Heavyweight Champion Matt Taven. And after your, after the interview with Taven, uh, you're also going to get to hear from NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis. That interview was done by our good buddy Scott Fishman. And, uh, of course, if you want to watch the NWA Crockett Cup, it's going down this Saturday night. we got a promo code contest uh, going over on our uh, a Twitter account right now where you can go over, retweet, enter, tell us who you think is going to win, and maybe you can watch the Crockett Cup for free. That's great. What a wonder. I love fight. They're they're hooking us up with tons of promo codes. That's always good. Yeah, it's great. Well, the benefit goes to you all. It, it trickles down to you. Um, we got more to talk about, more to plug. We'll get to it at the end of the show, but we got a lot of news to get to here today, so we'll start it off here. There was a report here from Sports Illustrated yesterday, our good buddy Justin Barrasso, that The Undertaker and Kurt Angle – have been pulled from StarCast 2. Now, Conrad Thompson uh, was told that Vince McMahon just wanted them pulled, so they're gone. There were contracts things, contracts signed. There were deposits that had been made. The Undertaker had to return this deposit. Conrad, of course, in the very precarious position here of having to find talent that would meet that level of interest, which is almost impossible because so many fans had bought tickets. You've got people that have bought plane tickets, reserved hotel rooms. They're coming down just for this, and now what are they going to do? So Conrad's trying to do right by them. Ways that Conrad tried to do right by these fans. He said, WWE, if I can't have Undertaker, if I can't have Kurt, what about Vince? Give me Vince for a couple hours. Give me Triple H. Give me Stephanie. All turned down. No WWE talent will be appearing at StarCast. The hammer is dropped here. Justin, what'd you make about this move here on WWE's part? Well, if I'm WWE, I can't say that I'd be doing anything different. I mean, I you know I understand WWE's viewpoint. Uh, this sucks for Conrad. This really does. I mean, I, you've been there. I've been there in terms of being you know an event runner, a promoter, and uh, obviously you know this unfortunately comes with the territory. But this is a large, large cancellation. Um, you know, I understand the Undertaker apparently. You know, Conrad got his money back, got the deposit back. But yeah, not being able to substitute and fill anybody in, and, and you're, you said it's hard. I mean, it'd be, you know, it, it's hard to find somebody of the stature of the Undertaker, especially because he, he, you know, he, he makes appearances, but it's not all that common. Um, yeah, who do you get to? It, who do you get that's like, oh man, I didn't get to meet the Undertaker, but thank God he got this person. I can't, I can't think of anyone outside of Vince. Right. Um, you know, and, and if I'm, and if I'm Conrad, you know, I know Conrad has. Uh, 
publicly said this over and over how StarCast, you know, it's not owned by AEW. It's, it's just, you know, they just happen to just lined the StarCast 1 and then now 2 up with, with AEW events. It, 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 the the problem, if I'm Conrad, you might as well just go in and be and just just go all in and be in the pun intended there and be associated and 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 just to try to get AEW's financial backing or you might as well just come out and be and say you're part of AEW because that, I mean Vince pulled Undertaker and Kurt Angle because it just seems too closely aligned to Starcast's affiliate. Everybody in the world associates Starcast with AEW. I think at this point, I think it's just that's just what it is, rightly or wrongly. So you might as well just own it because I, I mean. I mean, it sucks, but you might as well just own it at this point because, um, you know, WWE looks at this too much as, as you're you're part of the competition. You're not just some independent, you know, Comic Con, um, and it sucks for Conrad. But at this point, I think you might as well just own what you might, might as well just own it. Well, yes, uh, I I think that there's some merit to that. I do wonder if by getting too cozy with AEW and aligning himself directly with them, I mean, just from a business perspective, Conrad is like the sole proprietor. I think he's got like one other partner here, but he gets the, he gets the sh- fair share of the pie here, the profits, right? You bring in more people, then you got to start splitting stuff up. Uh, also with the, the Starcast idea, since it is independent to Conrad, you know, if he ever wants to take this thing to, to WrestleMania weekend or a SummerSlam weekend or some other giant show that pops up where he wants to do a Starcast there, you know, will, will it be different? Is it only if Starcast is done next to AEW events that this can't happen? Because, you know, realistically here, if you put all this talent under the same physical roof, guys can go to hotel rooms. You have no idea what's being, you know, it's just, it's a very chaotic situation I, I can imagine for WWE to have in their head. No, and that's a valid, that's a valid response and argument to, to what I just said in terms of him you know, just going all in with AEW. Um, yeah, that's just, I mean, again, I, I can't say that I blame WWE because, I mean, you know, The Undertaker is, is you know, one of the oldest, one of the WWE's oldest and greatest creations. Man. Um, so to have him at, a, at, at a, an event, whether, whether it is or isn't, but it's, you know, on the week of, you know, a big launch of what, of what looks to be WWE's next big competitor. I mean, I, I get it, um, but it just really, it really sucks for Conor. I, I feel... I do not envy what he's having to deal with right now in terms of, no. like you said, pe- people having made the, the accommodations they've made. And, and now, you know, and, 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 you know, and unfortunately, you know, fans, are, you know, the people that made those accommodations to go to go and, you know, you know, plane tickets, hotels, pay the money to see Undertaker, you know, they they might know. I mean, they might read the story. They might you know hear and read what the story is, but they don't care. They don't they don't they they're not going to the majority of them are going to care. Oh, poor Conrad! You really got screwed there by WWE. They're just gonna go. Well, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's what sucks here. Well, I do think there's a bit of. I mean, there's. I think some camaraderie here. You know, with everyone in the foxhole. I don't think people want to see Conrad fail inherently. I think that people really know Conrad is trying his best to put a good foot forward. But at the same time, it's like, oh man, you know, for the folks that you know bought these tickets and went to hotels and everything, I feel bad for him. I wonder if realistically Conrad just doesn't do another one. I mean, the last one I know he was like, I can't do this again. This one, he tried to he tried to outdo himself and almost like flying too close to the sun, his wings melted here at the very end, and it's going to be very hard to stay above water. Yeah, I mean... Lot to that maybe. metaphor. Lot to that metaphor, by the way. Lot uh, to that uh, metaphor. That was, that was you know, very deep. Yeah, um, very deep. Lot to that one. Anyway. A little 420 left over there for you. Come on, buddy. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, and you're right. There's nobody, everybody, just so many people are associated with WWE. There's very few people that aren't associated with WWE that just have that mega, mega level. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin's at that level, obviously associated sure. with WWE is not going to, you know. Uh, I don't know. Steve that. Austin, you know, he is is he is the Rock off limits? Could he go get Dwayne Johnson to show up? That they're not going to do. They're the moment. I'm sure if if they're not aware, the moment they become aware that Taker was booked and Taker got pulled by Vince, they're not going to. They're not going to screw with that. I don't know. I don't know. What about Brock? What's he doing? Who's going to tell Brock he can't do Starcast? I'd love to see that conversation go down. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we all do kind of have the understanding that Brock just kind of does what Brock wants to do. Um, I mean, I'll, t- I'll put it this way. I mean, Brock's probably still under contract with WWE. I mean, if Brock, if Brock actually believed and said, you know what, I think I am done. I've gotten all out of Vince that I want to get. And I, I mean, I, I, guess, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's I guess that is one possibility. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Come on. Just saying, just throwing stuff out there. You know, here's the last thing on this one. I understand The Undertaker. And weirdly, also with The Undertaker, it's not just like the the legacy and the image of Undertaker. Like Undertaker, weirdly, knows where the bodies are probably buried with WWE. Like him doing a very open, let's say, podcast or Q&A session where people ask him questions about more sensitive uh, times he's had in WWE or people he's been surrounded by that are going through sensitive times. You know, there's value in also paying this man, I would think, to not speak publicly. I mean, look look how out of control the Bruce situation got. Yeah, um, I mean, you're right. I mean, hell, I remember back when they were on that run of doing Stone Cold's podcast on the network, the video version, and they had actually advertised like, like, like the marketing campaign had actually advertised, you know, all new episodes of Steve Austin show coming to WWE Network, and they and they listed like a couple big name guests, and Taker was one of them, and that never obviously happened. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I don't know if that was part in protection of his character or more so, like you said, you know, Steve's kind of. Um, you know, Steve didn't really pull, hold anything back in those interviews. He kind of, you know, said some things that I'm sure Vince, you know, wouldn't have scripted on paper for him. Sure. So yeah, maybe I mean, it might be something there to that. What you said in terms of, you know, it's just better. It's it's worth the price to not not put. You know, not that the Undertaker would make the company look bad by I, any yeah. means, but if if he gets put in the position of, uh, I want you to answer this question. How 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 well can you dance around it? Yeah, what is what does Mark Calloway feel is fine to say, and what does he not think is fine to say? I mean, we're talking about the guy who was the locker room leader for like two decades, right? I mean, this was the guy that was many times, you know, the in between between Vince and some of the boys. So lot lot there. That man, I'm sure, yeah. many many stories. Um, but Kurt Angle, I was a little surprised by Kurt just because um, I I feel a little weird saying this, but like I didn't know that they saw that much value in Kurt Angle being out there and available. I mean, are they a little gun shy from when Kurt jumped to TNA years ago and think that maybe this guy would do it? I, I don't really I didn't I was a little more surprised that they would get involved with Kurt showing up. Well, I, I mean I, I think it's probably more of like, you know, they just even though even though many people feel it's lackluster, you know, they just marketed and and, and and distributed Kurt's quote unquote last match at a WrestleMania. Yeah. You know, it probably just doesn't want a month later, you know, to have Kurt again at something that is that's just perceived rightly or wrongly as uh, an AEW function. So Yeah. Uh well we shall we'll see how this plays out here. Again, I think that uh back to where we started on this, I think there is some uh good in Conrad staying separate from AEW and I do wonder how different this will be if he does a Starcast along a WWE event. I don't know if there and, will be rules sometimes and, and not rules others. And with the Kurt thing, obviously, if you're going to pull Undertaker, you have to pull Kurt. Like you can't like because what does that look like if you're WWE and you pull Taker out of it, but you let Kurt stay there? You know, Taker's going to go, what the hell? And then in some ways, it might even be like 
you might even say like, oh, does, it, does that mean WWE doesn't care as much about Kurt or they don't value him? You know, so it creates problems if you but, don't just stay consistent and pull both of them. I guess that's the thing is like, you know, well, Kurt, obviously it sounds like wasn't like super happy with like his send off in WWE. It sounded like he would have liked to have done something a little bit more grand. From the story we were reading about Undertaker over the weekend, it sounds like he just kind of thought they were done with him, right? And was like, yeah. okay, I guess we're done here. I'm going to go start doing stuff. You know, how how tightly are they going to try to sew up those loose ends now and make sure when guys are, like, done, it's very clear, like, we have something else for you or here's your retirement package? Well, I'm very curious of the timeline, not to drag this on too much longer, but I, I'm very curious of the timeline because, like, you know, we're, we're hearing that supposedly the next Saudi shows in June right. and Taker's going to Taker's gonna be working at that. But, like, so when did that come about? Did, you know, did Taker think, oh, they're just done with me. I'm just going to do a few of these Saudi shows because I've been promised for it. Or was it WWE truly was kind of maybe moving on from Undertaker and then they saw the StarCast thing and Vince said, no, we got to lock him back into a new con. Like, I, I'm very curious. Uh, we may not ever know because, uh, again, Taker, not like Taker's doing a lot of shoot interviews, but I, I'm really curious of the timeline of all this. Well, I can I, I feel kind of comfortable saying this now, and I know you knew about this, but like, yeah, when Undertaker changed all the social stuff, I did my due diligence and reached out to see if I could get an, uh, an interview with Undertaker for this show. And I still have not been given an explicit no. If anything, I had actual conversations about that possibly happening. And who knows? Maybe down the road, different circumstances, that could still happen. But I was very surprised I could get that deep into it with an outside agent for The Undertaker. That was very surprising to me. I, I know that I, – I don't know. Again, I, like you, I'd love to know what was going on there. But I know for a fact, yeah, he had – you know, he was taking his own bookings, and he was looking to definitely do some different stuff. Yeah, well, maybe that maybe maybe is that whole uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Vince, you know, Vince didn't want anybody else, uh, you know, <laughs> excuse the excuse the expression here. He didn't want anybody else playing with his Undertaker, so uh, he decided to bring him back closer. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, again, wait and see on this one here. But uh, another big story here uh, over uh, the last 24 hours before we even get to anything coming out of SmackDown last night. Uh, Sasha Banks, according to the Wrestling Observer, is reportedly in a stalemate with WWE over her future, and the word now is that Sasha looks like she would want to sit out the rest of her contract. Now, this is being described as like similar to what happened with Neville, where he wanted to sit out his contract, so they froze that period of time and were able to keep him longer. We don't know if that's going to be the case here, but that's a possibility. If that's the case, she could be out for a while here. Uh, WWE does want her in the mix. Sasha would like things to be different, obviously, if that's going to happen, but it sounds like no, Sasha's gone. That's a little surprising to me, Justin. Uh, yeah, it sounds like her patience is just kind of ran thin with the, um, you know, with the booking and 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 everything with her. I mean, um, you know, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I. The bad thing is, again, it's it's you know, a lot of time can go by. So, you know, same thing we talked about with Luke Harper, and you talk about a lot of times with with any of the workers is that you know again their, their body is their vehicle and time is the number one thing that all wrestlers have to deal with and are all athletes have to deal with so that's the unfortunate thing is i don't i don't we don't i don't know how much time's left on her current deal and so that i mean you know that's, that's a lot years. of time that she i don't know like that yeah that's wild it's like it could be years who knows i don't know right right i mean if she i mean if, if she's i mean i know WWE, you know WWE usually operates off of two year deals unless they then want to make a larger like you know five-year commitment to somebody to really hold them down you know but i mean if yeah i mean if she's even let's i mean even if she has another year to go let's say say let's say she's halfway through a current deal even if she has another year to go, or even if she has 
let's say six months to go. But like you said, they if they had the legal ability to add on time because of her being the whole, you know, sitting out, so to speak. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're looking, it could be at least a year. And that's a whole year of, um, you know, of, of not, of, of, you know, you're losing, losing time to be in the ring and your, and your brand is, 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 it goes quiet, so to speak. I mean, so yeah, I mean, this is a, that's it, a wild four months. This has just been a wild 2019. She's just gone. Justin, like what is happening right now? She just left. Well, and, and, and I'm curious too, uh, if this, if this, you know, this is always, I guess it's always tricky when you have, relationships which i know we'll talk more about in a company i'm mean, like you know i guess you could say the same thing about dean ambrose and renee young i mean i believe her husband works backstage uh like with wardrobe or something with with the company so it's not like this is just her this probably extends to him now i guess too oh man yeah uh and you know it was weird last night watching smackdown because they had this segment where charlotte and uh becky and bailey were all in the ring and and in my head I was like, there's the ghost of Sasha Banks now. That's the the four horsewomen. We and you know there was it was it, it was definitely on my mind and it definitely Bailey de- definitely feels different. Like she just has a different energy right now. Kind of scary right now. Scary Bailey. So I don't know if this whole thing is maybe affecting her and pushing her to to really up her intensity. I'm not sure. Um, well, that might be a bl- that might be a blessing though. Yeah, it could be, but very weird just seeing the three horsewomen, no longer the four. So uh, wait and see again here. Fluid story with Sasha and WWE. Uh, the Observer, by the way, before we get to SmackDown, reporting that WWE's Raw script was not finished until four minutes before the show started. Four minutes, Justin, until go- showtime. That's when the script gets done. On that note, this week's show drew two point three seven four million viewers. This was the second lowest viewership of the year. You'd have to go back to January 7th to find a lower rated show than the one we saw or a lower viewership than we saw last night uh, or Monday night. I'm a little uh, I'm a little saddened by that because I thought that outside of the opening, which I didn't like, and maybe there's something to that. um, I thought the show was largely pretty good on Monday night. Yeah, I didn't didn't think it was a second worst show, (laughs) as the ratings would kind of indicate. It was Um, a big drop, big drop. Yeah, especially coming off of, okay, so this is the first week of like, you know, now or now we've had the you know, superstars move and, and some are still moving. Um, so, you know, we got fresh scenarios. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I would have not predicted that that would have been the second lowest. Um, and I don't really have any excuses. I can't say, oh, they had this major competition they had to deal with or, you know, school's out. Or, I mean, I, you know, there's, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's it just, I guess it is what it is, which is just not a lot, not a lot of things right now captivating the audience relatively speaking yeah it's you know and that's the thing is you know we had a lot of good action on monday night i thought the wrestling was very good but not a lot of story you know i other outside of the overarching story of the the smackdown or the superstar shakeup and the subsequent post shakeup shakeup which we'll have we'll probably have another shakeup next week too it just never stops right um which is really not much of a story you know it's just movement it's not like compelling television. So I wonder how they get back on the track. Very weird, too. We can start talking about uh, SmackDown here a little bit. Very weird to me seeing Roman Reigns on SmackDown because he is, uh, you know, his story is always just that he's going to try to coast the top of the mountain and everything. And it just doesn't feel like he doesn't feel like a SmackDown character to me. It's, it totally changes the show to me to, to have him on on SmackDown. Oh, I don't mind seeing him on SmackDown. Um, really? I will, you know, that's fresh, but yeah, you're right. It, it is a little bit redundant that, you know, it appears like he's going to, you know, uh, ultimately he's battling with, with the McMahons, with the authority. He's, uh, you know, and, and again, it's just, 
that just the the audience just is that's just they're just not going to be. You know, they'll buy it with Becky. You know, they'll they'll buy the replication of Stone Cold versus Vince with with Becky uh, and the company how they did on the road to to, to Mania. You know, they they bought that because you know Becky really was somebody who kind of just came out of the pack. She was you know just another superstar. You know, just you know fans gravitated to her and that worked. You know, Roman is just not another superstar. Roman has been an identified. He's a guy we're pushing, and 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 then to the fans that maybe don't agree with that or don't think that he deserved. Or that other people you know, deserve it before him, they're just not gonna organically buy this this rebel force of Roman Reigns against the McMahons and the company. They're just they're just not gonna buy it. So I, I you know, I, 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 him and Elias, I'm sure will be fun. Um, I wonder if we might get like Elias and Shane versus Roman and Taker at Saudi. Um, I, you know, but they're just people. If if, w, if that's WWE's plan between now and whenever, now and summer, whatever. If that's WWE's ulti, ultimate story arc is 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 okay. Vince is always everybody loves to hate on Vince, so we're gonna make Vince the heel, and Roman's gonna you know be battling him and the McMahon's. I I just don't know. I don't know how much they expect to get out of that. Uh, yeah, Roman versus the McMahon's. That I mean, that does kind of seem where we're at here. Elias now aligned with Shane McMahon, perfect bro duo. I kind of dig these two together. Um, and yeah, Elias versus Roman Reigns. That's gonna be the match here at Money in the Bank, keeping Roman Reigns out of the Money in the Bank uh, picture. So he's just he doesn't even need it. He just knows he's Money in the Bank. I would imagine they're gonna put him in that match as well. Uh, but also here at Money in the Bank, we got a couple. We got uh, at least well, we got two other matches here now. Both of them involving Becky Lynch. One, she's going to defend the Raw Women's title against Lacey Evans. We knew that. But coming out of SmackDown last night, Becky will also defend the SmackDown Women's title against Charlotte Flair at Money in the Bank. Uh, what do you what do you think about te- uh, Becky two belts, which you can say now. That's fine to call them belts again. But what do you think about <laughs> Becky two belts having to defend both belts here on the same night at Money in the Bank? What possibilities does that open up for you? Well, I, I don't dislike it. I mean, you know, she's touting the two belts, so it kind of makes sense that in, 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 in right, if, if, if there's going to continue to be two belts, um, I mean, it kind of it's nice that she's having to defend both. She's pulling the double duty. It's kind of making her seem like more of a fighting champion. And again, it would be weird if they were going to keep both titles, but only have her doing a story with the Raw title or, or vice versa. I mean, so it, it's kind of good. They're at least committing. They're at least, you know, committing the fact, okay, she's got both titles and we're going to we're going to make her. You know, we're going to, you know, make her use them both. And it also shows that they, they, they view her as an asset. The fact that they are, you know, um, prominently uh, building around her on both shows. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's something. Um, yeah, it opens up possibilities. Obviously, she can win one, lose one. So you can talk about, okay, what, you know, was she protected here, protected there, who got put over in the process. I mean, so it does open up a lot of scenarios. And one other thing I just want to say real quick about the Elias thing. As I said, Elias versus Roman will be fun. And I like, you know, Elias with Shane, all that stuff. But it is weird to me that it's like, you know, every WWE superstar, don't you want to be champion? It is kind of weird to me. That, like, like I would expect Elias to, to challenge Roman Reigns or something, like, after he was in a match to try to qualify for Money in the Bank and, like, missed his opportunity for Money in the Bank. Like, shouldn't Money in the Bank be your ultimate thing you want first and then go after grudges and everything? That that that, that bothered me a little bit that he just went right to that. But yeah, it's, it, it totally makes me feel like he's above everything. Yeah, uh, 100%, right? He's not going for the title. He's not even going for money in the bank. He's just content on getting one over on Elias here, who seems to not like. Uh, and Shane yeah, like I, as well. Yeah, yeah I would I would have rather Elias attempt to go for money in the bank, you know, lost, and then, you know, then, and then, you know, and there's Roman to laugh and rub it in his face, and, and then we make the match. 
Um, well, you know, there's the other scenario here. Of course, it is Money in the Bank where a woman could win the Money in the Bank briefcase here earlier in the night, maybe in between these two bouts. And Becky Lynch will have had to have wrestled twice already. That would make her seemingly vulnerable to an instant cash in from whoever the female is that wins the Money in the Bank that night. I know that's a great point. That's a that's a great point. You're right. I mean, she could uh, she could defend both of them successfully in the actual match, and then right as she finishes the second match, here comes. Uh, the briefcase. No, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, maybe Nia Jax is maybe she's swerving us. Maybe she's fine. No surgery. No ACL surgery. Here she comes. Takes the briefcase. Uh, Kevin Owens on SmackDown turned on the New Day. He lasted a little bit longer than Jim Neidhart lasted in DX, um, but not that much longer. Uh, you know, I, I think this is great. Kevin Owens, perfect foil for for Kofi Kingston right now. It's got a little bit of fire here to start. I just thought this was very well played. What was your take on the Kevin Owens heel turn? Yeah, well executed. I mean, they they, they could have done it, uh, you know, another uh, another week or two if they wanted to, but I guess they want to have enough weeks to just really get people soaking in and getting the heat on Kevin. So, yeah. I mean, heel heel is his natural environment. I mean, he, yeah. he he's he he can work a babyface style in the ring you know, and get people cheer, but he but heel but he you know heel is where he thrives. I think if you asked him, he'd probably um, he'd probably agree with that. So uh, I like it. I mean, you, right now you have a you have a very natural heel in Kevin Owens, and 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 people will you know they shouldn't have any problem booing him. Uh, and you know, obviously Kofi is, is 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 organic and over right now as a babyface. It's a fresh, um, you know, it's a fresh world. I mean, Kevin Owens challenging the WWE champion Kofi Kingston. That's a fresh sentence I just said there. So that's kind of that's nice. Um, I like that. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you think of? Uh, the, correct me if I'm wrong. There was no Daniel Bryan on the show last night. Correct. I I did not see him, though. So I was thinking afterwards, maybe that is why they decided to pull the trigger here with Kevin Owens and turn him heel so quick if maybe they need another top heel right now, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if if, if Dana Bryan's, you know, out for an undetermined amount of time with him to deal with, with the, whatever health he's dealing with, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need, um, yeah, I mean, you're, you need you need some heels, and, and I, I haven't I haven't made the, the flow chart, and, and since since all the Superstar shakeup, I haven't done roll call to count all right who's your top heels top baby faces on each show but yeah i mean not having brian brian was the the top heel for for tuesdays going into mania and now you don't have him so yeah absolutely need to fill that void yeah Uh, also on smackdown last night we saw alistair black what we're gonna get from him is a single superstar over on smackdown here cutting this kind of eerie cryptic promo what was your take on this justin this is the alistair black i want i want to forget about the tag run that he did with Ricochet and the awkwardness of coming to the main roster and abruptness of that and him doing the interviews in the gorilla position before making his awesome entrance. This is the singles run of Aleister Black I want to see. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the next promo is, what the next you know depth of his character and story is. Yeah, and Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers here now, the last of the shakeup, they're now also on SmackDown. Um, do you think that there's... Do you think these guys could go beyond what they're doing right now? You know, we've seen Mahal in the championship title picture before. Do you think there's a chance we see him back there on SmackDown here with the Singh brothers? Or do you think we just continue to see him as generic mid-card uh, bad guy? I, I think generic mid-card. I think he had his run up to the top and, you know, it, it was what it was. It got They got whatever they got out of it. Um you know, and and you know, it made it made sense. The Singh brothers made sense. They filled out the presentation of Gender to make Gender look more important when he was getting that push to the top. But I'd like to see the Singh brothers get a little bit more focus on them. You know, let them let them be a tag team in the tag yeah. team division. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind utilizing because because they're 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 talented guys in the ring if you if you let them 
if you let them uh, loose. Can you imagine if the roles start to flip and Jinder's like seconding the Singh brothers in tag matches now? All of a sudden, I kind of dig that. Kind of seems fun. Yeah, like yeah, like having you know having him having him on the outside, a little bit of a bodyguard type. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe a way to reheat him up. Actually, you know, get him out of the ring and have him be a little bit more character oriented for a while. So I'm about it. New kid, new guys, new new environment. Play around. Uh, and speaking of new environments here, Wrestling Observer reporting that Cesaro was moved to Raw this week because WWE is trying to keep couples together. Now, I know that uh, Cesaro is dating Sarah Del Rey, right? Sarah Amato, the head coach or one of the head coaches down at the Performance Center. I'm guessing she's an, a road agent for Raw. Is that what this story is implying here? It did, it, I, don't, I didn't explicitly see it said that way. My interpretation when I saw the story was that it was by process of elimination. So Cesaro got moved where he he is where he is because they needed to move other people and keep other couples around. So I, I didn't necessarily even think about Cesaro's relationship. Actually, I forgot that he even dated her. Yeah, no, I had to do some digging, and then I was like, well, wait, what? Are they trying to keep him? Uh, wait, that doesn't seem to make much sense. Your interpretation makes a lot more sense. I can see that. Folks moved over to SmackDown. Too many there. Got to move somebody back to Raw. You know, Good. I hope that Cesaro can find his mojo here on Raw as a single star. I don't like the Seamus music still. That's weird to me. Um, but there's light to a uh, Cesaro. Uh, and speaking of relationships, TMZ uh, saying or thinking, speculating that things between Charlotte Flair and Andrade have gotten very serious very quickly. And uh, Charlotte's been wearing a ring as of late. There's a lot of people speculating these two are engaged. Um, TMZ, I guess, did a lot of poking around and did not explicitly get told. No, they are not engaged. So, uh, do you know anything, Justin? Are these two going to get married? I, I don't know. I, I, did, I, I don't even know how long they've been together. It, it kind of came out of nowhere, the, right? this relationship to me, in terms of, you know, what I knew. Uh, but isn't it fun to think, though, that, uh, if they do end up getting married, that Conrad Thompson will be related to, uh, Andrade? Oh, wow. What a Thanksgiving. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, and lastly here, the Observer reporting WWE's Backlash pay-per-view has been moved to June 23rd in Tacoma. So it's not getting canceled altogether. Just moved. It was originally set to go down June 26th in San Diego. So San Diego, I'm sorry, you're still not getting Backlash. Um, but, of course, WWE's June 7th Saudi Arabia show, which has not officially been confirmed, but looks to be on June 7th. Uh, the production has already started on uh, – some production has already started on that, uh, claims the Observer. So uh, backlash gets moved, Saudi Arabia, round three. You ready, Justin? What do you think the backlash is going to be like this time? All puns intended. <laughs> Just get rid, get rid of backlash first off. Like, I too many shows. We don't need it. I I I don't want to. I don't want to be you know the negative, cynical internet wrestling fan or something like that. But I mean, it's the the live attendance isn't going to be anything great. It's not going to. I mean, just 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 no. Just just just. Focus on the Saudi show because you know you're going to do it because it's got all kinds of money behind it. We don't need backlash. At this time, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show the new undisputed Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. He's going to put that title on the line against PCO May 9th at ROH's War of the Worlds in Toronto. He's also the host of his new podcast, Take a Bump. It's Matt Taven. Matt, welcome back to the Winkley. Thank you for having me. And doesn't that feel so good? You know, Matt Taven, the Ring of Honor, the undisputed Ring of Honor world champion. And yes, my new podcast is Take a Bump, hashtag not a drug reference. Glad you clarified that. <laughs> In case you're wondering. It could go two ways. Uh, but yeah, I did. I put the little... Uh... I put the little caveat there in the beginning, undisputed ROH World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, for you, I know, you know, it's been 
a year or so of you uh, claiming rightful ownership of the heavyweight championship, but you finally have it now, Matt. How does that feel? Oh, it feels so good. I mean, it's part of the reason why I haven't, you know, gone back to the purple belt that uh, had I had before because, you know, people look at that Ring of Honor title and they think, oh, it's prestigious and this guy and that guy has held it. And now they're so upset that I have it, which is why, like, I haven't even taken Jay Lethal's nameplate off it yet. I just making people upset for some reason puts this really bizarre smile on my face. And I've seen to make a lot of people upset being the ring of honor world champion. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, actually earlier uh, today, or was it last night? I don't know. It's all running together, but I interviewed your upcoming opponent PCO and I asked him, you know, do you think that Marty is upset that you're going to get a shot at Matt before he does again? And he said, well, Marty has a shot at the NWA world's heavyweight championship so we both have title opportunities in front of us how do you feel about his attitude that these two things could be on the same playing field well i I think he's just trying to be nice and he's lying to you because marty is definitely upset i mean you can tell by marty being on twitter yesterday being like oh rah rah shiskamba pco you know that's all a facade because inside he's like that should have been me that should have been me yeah, I mean, I just thought it was, I mean, what do you think of the NWA World Championship floating around Ring of Honor right now anyway? I mean, do you think it it, it has a place in the mix? I mean, you know, it's, it's very nice that Ring of Honor is letting them use our platform, but uh, there's only one true world champion on any Ring of Honor television event, pay-per-view, and you are speaking to him right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll get to your upcoming match here in PCO in a little bit, though, uh, because I got to ask you, you know, before, I've had a chance to talk to you before, MSG, right? And now you've actually done it. You've been mm-hmm. there. You know, in general, you know, what was that experience like for you finally getting to perform inside of Madison Square Garden? Uh, I mean, it's probably the greatest moment of my life. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was unbelievable. I, all my life, I, I've won a wrestling match in Square Garden. I've been a wrestling fan since, you know, as far as I can remember. And so many historic things have gone down in Madison Square. And then here I am, not only looking up at that historic ceiling, but r- winning the Ring of Honor World Championship, having F.U. Taven echo through the historic halls of Madison Square Garden. I mean, I really couldn't ask for a better better moment a better um memory in my in my mind that i'll hold on forever um than that night in madison square garden and and man you know there were so many people that the day before are fans that actually watch the product consistently they're not just you know trolls that finally crawled out of their mom's basement or just looking for something to complain about they came up to me and they said that this is your time. And I'm like, you know what? You guys actually get it. You're right. And then the next day when all the um, people who have eight different accounts on Twitter um, all showed up and they were so upset that I won the world title, it was like, oh, like, could it get much better for me? Like, this is like Christmas for me. I've made all the people that believe look like they're they're actually on the right side of history and all the people that are Melvins look as dumb as their profile pictures look on Twitter. Uh, Whose idea was it for the purple ladder? Was that your idea or did somebody come to you with that idea? Come on. Come on now. You know who thought of that. That was me. Everything that's happened around me has been thought of by me. Um, And I knew going into this match, you know, no matter what was going to happen, I'm out there to not just win, 
I'm out there to look good at the same time. And there's nothing more beautiful than the pictures of a giant purple ladder in the middle of Madison Square Garden with me on top of it holding the Ring of Honor world title. Uh, there was a scary moment during your match where a fan like got hit by a ladder. I mean, did that did you did that even resonate with you that that was happening when that happened, or, or did it affect the flow of the match at all for you? Uh, it really didn't affect the flow of the match at all for me personally. Um, you know, funny story is is that um, you know this guy in, in the first place he, he he's on his game. He was able to kind of see that ladder coming. And they brought him to the back afterwards. They checked him out. Uh, the medical staff checked him out. And uh, he was able to meet some of the guys. And when I walked up to him, um, it just happened to be, I guess, the guy that I got into it with at a previous show in Florida and wiped my sweat all over him. Okay. And, you know, here he is finally when he's face-to-face with me, crumbles into little pieces telling me how great I am. And so there was a little part of me that was like, eh, you kind of deserve it. But at the same time, you know, it's funny to see how these Melvins, like, really wither into nothingness when they finally see you face-to-face. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I, that's that's hilarious that you guys finally came, came together like that, <laughs> uh, after the fact. Um, I'm glad to hear that was okay. I know it, that people. It was like, oh, are we are we cool? Are we cool from what happened in Florida? I was like, man, as long as you're okay with what happened tonight, I was I can give a shit less about if we're cool or not. I just want to make sure that you're not hurt. See, that's Taven. That's Taven democracy. That's the kingdom democracy in action. There, you know. You're de melt. You're de- you know what I mean? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. He's yeah. he's living in my world now. Yeah. You know, so uh, as long as you know he has no grounds to to complain, which he was checked out by the medics and he was absolutely fine. Um, I could care less. Uh, you know, if he loves me, hates me, but of course, like I said. As soon as he's face to face with me, he he pays homage to the king. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I was it was yeah. Carrie Silicon was on that thing in a hurry. There, he was right immediately over checking on the guy. Everybody was. It was it was amazing to see how quickly y'all responded to it. Uh, but that's great. You know, some pe- some fans they want a T-shirt. Some want an autograph. Some just want to know that you don't think they're a Melvin, and that's an amazing thing that you can give to people now. It's great. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I can lie to their faces to make them feel better and tell them they're not a Melvin, sure. but you all know the truth. Come on now. He's going to hear this, and he's going to think you guys aren't, aren't cool anymore. I want him to know that when he hears this, we have never been cool, and we never will be. Yeah, you Come on. All right. Fine. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, again, it's like I just I just spoke with PCO so I got like a little bit of a, a, a look behind the curtain of what you guys were dealing with and going through backstage at MSG. Uh, I was interested to hear that he described the ROH and New Japan rosters as kind of having a bit of an air of friendly competition that night. I mean, did you get that as well? Did you feel like this was a night of, you know, each promotion trying to one up each other? Or did you feel like it was more harmonious uh, backstage with the two rosters? Well, I think that's something that has made Ring of Honor and New Japan uh, become the companies they are today is that um, whether it's a joint show or one of our individual shows, everyone knows how good the entire roster is from top to bottom. And they know that they can't just go out there and mail it in because the guy that goes out there before you is going out there to to make a name for himself and steal the show. So especially on a a stage like Madison Square Garden, um, there's nothing but – competition between all the guys you know we, we want to make our name for ourselves on the biggest stage that there is and make sure we leave a lasting memory and uh you know there's 
guys, uh, most of us had never been there before, and uh, OPCO is one of the only guys that had wrestled there previously. So it was a huge night for almost 99% of the locker room. So you better believe that there was a, you know, a friendly competition, we'll call it that, on, um, you know, who's going to go out there and make sure that they leave a lasting memory in all the people's minds. Yeah. Uh, PCO, yeah, he's the one who knew where to tell you guys to use the bathroom. He's like, no, I remember. If you guys get lost, this is where you, this is where you go. <laughs> Um, you, you walked away with the title. Okada walked away with the title. Big, big dual world title, uh, switches at the garden. Do you have a chance to, to, to talk with Okada afterwards? Have you guys had any chats at all about possibly putting you guys together in a, in a bout since we saw so many title matches go head to head? Uh, we personally haven't had that conversation about facing each other. I mean, we congratulated each other and, uh, we're able to see each other for a little bit after the MSG show ended, but uh, that night was so hectic. And, you know, me personally, I'm having a million people come out of the woodwork that I haven't talked to in years, tell me, you know, how proud they are of me and whatnot. Sure. But um, it, it was such a busy, hectic night that we were both kind of like, we took our pictures, we talked for a little bit and then we're on our way. And it, it was more uh, when the dust settled, that kind of the idea of like, huh, well, you know what, me and you should do this one day, uh, really floated into our into our mind. So I haven't had a chance to talk to him personally, but, uh, you know, whoever's listening to this, Okada Taven needs to happen sooner than later. Yeah, it was it was a great night. It was cool to see both you guys standing tall. Just a, it had a real historic buzz around it. Uh, I'll, I'll finish up here talking to MSG. I got to get your take on, like, what happened with Zoe and Kaz XL. I mean, did you did it even resonate for you that something was happening? I'm sure you were like prepping for your match, or, or you know, what was the buzz backstage as this is all playing out around you? Honestly, um, I had no idea what was going on at all. Uh, you know, I had a pretty big match coming up really shortly after that, yeah. so not until probably the next day did I really kind of hear about it or really. I mean, I'm sure I heard about it, but didn't have a chance to really register it. Um, and I haven't had a chance to, to talk or see anyone about it since. So, uh, for me personally, it seems like it's not something that's on the world champions radar or, or anything that I'm going to have to worry about anytime soon. So, um, this is probably the most I've ever spoke about it or thought about it right here, right now. Yeah. I mean, well, I got, I had to ask you, you know, I'm sitting there in the press booth and it's like, you know, it was wild because like 15 minutes before that, Bret Hart was like legitimately like attacked by somebody who had jumped a railing, not to, you know, make, make any assumptions here of what happened with Kaz and, and Enzo, but it was a wild time for us up there in that, in that media rose, you know, dealing with all this stuff that was going on at the time. Um, hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really can't say one way or the other, what, what happened there. Um, I've barely even seen it from YouTube or whoever put it out there. I, I mean, I really can't make heads or tails on what's going on there, but the Bret Hart situation, man, to see that kid's mugshot um, afterwards, oh, that, that kind of made that whole situation a little bit sweeter. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, had you been in the room, had any wrestlers been in the room and within striking distance of this guy while it was playing out, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. This is Brett the Hitman Hart, right? Exactly. That, that That's my favorite wrestler of all time. And uh, I'm almost jealous of the guys that were able to to let's put it lightly to, to um, you know, let that, that fan know that jumped the barricade, that he made a mistake. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you ever have any incidents like that? Any fans ever jump the railing or try to take a shot at you out in the open or something like that? I have dared so many Melvins that have sat and talked all sorts of nonsense in the front row to jump the barricade. I've literally told security guards to sit down and let this guy jump the barricade if he has any balls. And not a single Melvin out there has taken me up on it. So, no, no one's had uh, had the, the guts to, to jump over the barricade because – I'm pretty sure that, you know, you can be as tough as can be behind a keyboard or on Twitter or in, in your seat. But uh, when Tony Toughnuts actually hops the barricade, reality strikes pretty quickly. That's a pretty good name for an indie wrestler, Tony Toughnuts. I'm just saying. Yeah, Tony Toughnuts. I'm, I'm trademarking that. So any indie guy, you, you owe me, you know, $5 of your $25 payday if you use that one. Fair. Uh, well, let's uh, let's jump forward to what's going on right now. Uh you know, it was Masters of the Craft, main event, Kingdom, Villain Enterprises turned into a Columbus Street fight here, uh, Marty getting wild. Um, and in all the melee, you got pinned by PCO at Masters of the Craft. What happened here? You know, I really think it's part of that um, gang mentality that we're living in. You know what I mean? One person has an opinion on something, everyone else jumps on board, and they're like, oh, look at him. We got a little group going. You know, I don't know who Marty thinks he is saying that he could, you know, turn matches into Columbus street fights, but he said something dumb. Everyone else jumped on board. Next thing you know, I'm in a street fight that I, me and the kingdom wasn't prepared for. And when you look back at the match, and I, I dare anyone to go back and watch this and, and disagree with me, um, I went through a table from Brody King. Uh, I got hit with every single move Brody King and Marty could think of. Marty tried to hit me with a climax, and Marty hit me in the face with an umbrella. And that finally was enough to, to get, um, after a moonsault from a 300-pound uh, psychopath, that was finally enough to pin my shoulders to the mat. It's going to be a different story when it's one-on-one, -on -one, me and PCO. He's not going to have his little buddies being able to get their shots in. And in the, mean, in, in the same you know, breath, it took that much to put down the Ring of Honor world champion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, they really had to almost put me six feet under to finally get me to lose that match. So I, I fear no man, even one with half, a, half an eye and even less of a brain. Um, what do you think of the crowd's reaction to PCO right now? You know, it's wild. I'm, I'm so used to seeing, you know, Marty Skrull, uh, so popular with the fans, but it's PCO that I was hearing more chance for as, as villain enterprises made its way to take on the kingdom. Oh, and you know, that makes Marty so jealous. Uh, but yeah, no PCO, he's a, he's a, he's a story that, uh, it's hard not to think, ah, oh, look at this. I mean, the guy is 50 three fifty something years old. He's putting his body on the line every single night. He's doing all this crazy stuff. And Hey, I take my hat off to him. Doesn't mean that he's going to be able to beat the top guy. I mean, it's a nice little story, but there was only one fairy tale ending that ever came true in wrestling. And we saw it come true in Madison square garden. Um, I know you're friendly with Dalton castle. Uh, how do you feel about the attitude? I don't know that guy. Come on. No, was... I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, I know. I know. I've seen you guys interact in public and things. I know you guys have a rapport, you know, regardless of your differences in the rings from time to time. But what do you think of his change in attitude? Well, you know, me and Dalton, I'm sure you can go on our YouTubes and see that we uh, we know each other well. But um, to be honest with you, it's it's just kind of human nature to be frustrated after everything that you've gone through 
uh, being Dalton Castle, you know what I mean? Winning the Ring of Honor World Championship, ducking Matt Taven because you knew he was better than you for so long, getting hurt because you're trying to, you know, avoid Matt Taven um, and, you know, doing all these different things to, to act like, oh, I'm getting in shape for Matt Taven. In reality, he was really just, oh, this hurts, that hurts. But, you know, um, when you come back from an injury and you think you're going to get right back to where you were before, and things don't really go as planned, I mean, it, it's it's hard to keep doing the same thing. You know, the definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So I understand why Dolphin feels like he needs to change it up. And, um, you know, if he stops listening to the to the Melvins in the crowd, then he's, he's taking a page out of my playbook, with I can't, which I can't argue with. Uh, I also saw recently that Ring of Honor has made a new deal with Figures Toy Company. Um, I just wanted to get your take on the fact you might have a new action figure coming out. I know that's always a, a big deal for pro wrestlers. Well, I mean, they, they released an action figure of me um, on their last series, but by the time they brought it out, you know, Matt Taven looked a little bit different and a little bit updated. Right. So I know that there's one or ones of the other members of the kingdom, you know, coming out soon. And I think that if they threw in there a nice, beautiful Ring of Honor World Championship uh, over the the action figure with the most handsome face in the whole roster, you know, myself, then I wouldn't complain if they threw out a new one of Matt Saban as well. Okay, updated look. All right, finally. All right, well, I got to ask you, I close it out here. You got a chance to dive into the world of arm wrestling with me, Matt Taven's arm wrestle kingdom. What did you, what'd you think? What were your big takeaways? Was this what you expected from the event? Uh, you know, my my biggest takeaway was I need to watch more arm wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I got to meet the uh, the monster there, the champion, yeah. and uh, man, that guy uh, he's pretty legit. And uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't done much arm wrestling in my in my day, but it definitely got my competitive juices flowing and made me you know at least want to check out what these athletes are doing because when they were describing how a uh, spiral fracture could happen all the way up your arm with just 10 pounds of pressure, I was like, holy, these guys are are putting it out there. So uh, my hat's off to everyone in the World Arm Wrestling League, and hopefully, you know, not only can we do an event together again, but hopefully I get a chance to swing by one of their events and, uh, you know, maybe I can be a a guest referee like they were for us. Okay, I, I was I was I was waiting to see where you went with that because I was like, is he going to say he's going to throw it out at the table? Because like it's very it's intimidating when they sit down and explain to you, you know, how you can really get hurt doing this stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa! I see. I got a lot of wrestling left to do. You know what I mean? I got this big responsibility on my shoulders, being the Ring of Honor World Champion. Maybe one day down the line, they can film a sequel to Over the Top, and I can star in it. But right now, you know, my arm wrestling days are going to be more of a spectator sport for me. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool being in that environment. You know, you, unless you see it and you feel it live, you're just like, oh, it's arm wrestling. But there's a real intensity there. I was I was happy to be a part of it. Oh, without a doubt. It was it was unreal. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, very excited for you as the new undisputed Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, again, you're going to take on PCO May 9th, ROHs, or the World in Toronto. What would you like to leave the listeners with here today? I would like to tell everyone, especially, especially all the Melvins north of the border, to make sure that you are there in Toronto May 9th. Make sure that you get your hopes up for the hometown hero to bring home the title because there's nothing that makes me happier 
than upsetting and disappointing Melvins from coast to coast, country to country. So all the Canadian Melvins, please, please, please be there to support PCO because at the end of the night, your tears are going to fuel my happiness. So, uh, Nick, so you have the Crockett Cup coming up. You know, so much tradition is being kind of preserved in many ways with the NWA and you as the NWA champion. Just talk about what it means for you to be a part of this. Um, it's so important to kind of preserve wrestling history nowadays. Uh, we're moving so quickly, but a lot of the foundation was built on the NWA and everything that is created. And, and what's old is new again, and I think there's a lot of fans that are nostalgic for this kind of uh, event. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think the other part of it is that um, there's so few things in the in the wrestling business historically that, you know, that have historical value that WWE doesn't own, you know, and, and that's not, and, that, and, you know, all credit to them. They were very smart to, to acquire so much, you know, property over the years. And so they, you know, pretty much own... <laughs> the wrestling business and its lineage to to an extent. And, um, but you know, the NWA was available and the NWA has, you know, a very strong history and a very strong brand. And, and I think that we've proven that, you know, that with, with the right presentation and, and uh, a bit of a fresh coat of paint that I don't think that we, I don't think that we're doing anything that, um, you know, that, that particularly revolutionary. I think we're just, reminding people of what uh, of, of what this name means and what this championship means and you know in terms of the Crockett Cup yeah it's cool because it's just it's just something that has um a history and I think anytime that you have a history it just adds a little prestige to it because people can go back over the years and say well you know Dusty Rhodes and Nikita won it and you know, and, and these guys want it, and these guys are in it, and these guys are in it, and it's it's the same concept really as with the championship. It was it was it wasn't like it had disappeared. It just wasn't on a particularly high profile. But then when we were able to to give it a, a, a better profile again, and then through the work we've done with collaborating with Ring of Honor and with all these all these independents all over the world, you know, I mean, literally defended the title in four different continents in, in 2018. Um, I think it just, it just sort of gave people this access to something that they had only read about in the past, you know, and, and obviously Ric Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time. You know, he's, <laughs> he's Elvis, you know, he's untouchable. So, and, and such a big part of his, legacy is that is is his role as a traveling champion is he went to all these different places and brought out the best in different people in different territories and and um it wasn't just flair you know obviously like harley did it and dory did it and all these different and that's why the that's why they were when when the time came and they saw what we were doing they were willing to sort of put their seal of approval on on us and on me and and that that means a great deal because it, it just keeps adding to what we what we believed from the start when we took on this this challenge and when Billy decided to buy the NWA, which was I think people care about this. I just I just think people are, just need reminding of what it means. Yeah. Um and then you mentioned you know, you're now in your second reign as the NWA champion. Compared to how it feels right now, 
some more. You mentioned what all the work that you put in during the first reign and kind of making the title mean something. I think it's great what you guys do with social media and digitally with a series to build up for all the big matches that, that come up with your big title defenses. So every title defense means something. Um, just compare now to when you first started and what the feeling is and the mindset is going into your title matches. Well, uh, things now have, you know, that th- there is more prestige attached to it, you know, and, and we, we don't have to remind people as much because if you, if you go back and look through the, the, the 10 pounds of gold series, um, we, we've consistently paid homage to the, the, the legends who held that, that championship. But as time has gone on, we've been able to draw more from our own recent past, you know, because ultimately like, that's what we have to do. We have to make because people care. And um, so I think in the beginning, it was kind of a case of reminding people over and over again, like this is the title that Dusty Rhodes had and Harley Race had and Ricky Steamer had and Ric Flair had. And then over time, now people are like, yeah, that's the NWA champion. That's Nick Aldis, you know, that's, and that's the one, oh, that's the, that's the title that, you know, Nick Aldis and Cody feuded over in 2018. That was, it was the, the belt that had this, you know, iconic moment in Chicago in September, you know, it was, so we're, we're creating our own legacy. And um, so as time goes on, we, we, we see that. And obviously we're still working with third party promotions, you know, for how long, we don't know. We've, we've you know, there, we've got a number of different sort of roads ahead of us that we can potentially take. And, and, you know, obviously we're working with ring of honor right now and, and that's, that's been beneficial to us. You know, how, how far we, we continue with that. We don't know. We're, we're very much, we're a promotion in the true sense of the word. People are always asking us like, when are you going to get your own show? And when are you going to like sign a bunch of wrestlers and, you know, get a building? And it's it's like, that's not a promotion, you know, like a promotion. If you look at boxing or, you know, or even MMA to an extent with the exception of UFC, who kind of took the WWE model, you know, promotions, they, re- they usually represent certain fighters and certain, you know, athletes. And then they work with other, with, with other promotions or other, you know, and other management things to, to, uh, organize an event and promote it, you know, and, and that's kind of where we're at. We've partnered with Ring of Honor and we've partnered with we've partnered with uh, other independent promotions, you know, and we've and we've run one you know run one event ourselves. Like, and and that's that's really a promotion in the true sense of the word. You know, I'm I'm contracted to that promotion because I'm the NWA champion, you know. But you know, as as you've seen, you know. Cody was not under contract to the NWA or to Lightning One. He was under contract to Ring of Honor at the time. But, you know, he, he, the, the, the business arrangement was made, you know, and, and, that's, and that's one of the things that we want to kind of stay on track with is that keeping that, that thought in people's minds that anyone could win this potentially if they're the right guy, you know, and... That, that that that's something that's exciting to people you know that the, the possibility that it that it could be a real world championship that could be defended in any promotion anywhere in the world you know anytime and and we like that and we'll continue to sort of build our content based off of that and then as different opportunities present themselves we'll take them and and, and grow like that but i don't think anyone can really deny our growth as far as 
brand recognition and everything like that because that's what we had to do first you know it would have been foolish to just pump a load of money into another wrestling company doing another set of shows and trying to you know trying to crack a tv market which is you know which is absolutely changing fundamentally like that 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 would be foolish you know we have to build equity first and trust and i think that's what we've been able to do yeah i think what's great about uh the nwa is well, from what you're telling me is, you know, you're not staying in a specific lane. You're kind of have a, a flow of, about it. Like you're organically, like if something happens, you know, you're willing to kind of change course and grow with the, the business model. So, I mean, I think that's a, that's a unique way of doing it. Cause there's so many wrestling promotions out there right now and they're all doing it the, the same way in a lot of ways, but you guys are taking a different approach to it. And I think that's, that's great. And that's unique um, to see that. Um, and then one of the great things about this is, uh, in general, especially with the Crockett Cup, is you guys infusing a lot of uh, a lot of legends in it, a lot of veterans. And you yourself has gotten a chance to kind of uh, talk to, interact with a lot of past NWA champions. I know a couple of weeks ago you got to actually talk to Harley Race. I just was curious, when you're meeting these guys, guys like Harley Race, just talk about what it means to you to kind of meet them as the NWA champion today and kind of hear their war stories and kind of maybe get some advice from them, even at this stage of your career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're always learning. And um, I went to Harley's camp in um, 2007. So it's really cool for me to be able to, you know, I I saw him a couple of times. I saw him once when we were in St. Louis, and I had this great match with AJ, you know, in St. Louis on Impact on live TV. So it was really cool to see him that day because it was, you know, to to be in that spot and to get the reaction I got that day. Um, and I'd seen him a couple of times before at different house shows, you know, when we'd been in 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 that area in that St. Louis metro area. Um, but I hadn't seen him for a long time, and I and I was curious as to whether he'd actually knew about any of the nwa stuff i know that in the beginning when we first started doing this stuff um somebody had reached out to harley i think and he had basically said uh thanks but no thanks you know because no offense but you know i've seen i've seen too many sort of reincarnation attempts with the nwa and i'm not you know then i wasn't very impressed And, and and he had a right to say that you know he was right about that and then I think at, over time, once he saw, you know, what we were doing, this was not this was not another bunch of you know ho hum indies trying to sort of band together with you know with some like and, and harp on a sort of an old legacy. This was a totally different approach, and I think that obviously with All In, you know, that that's arguably the most talked about show of the year, you know, in 2018, and the the true main event of that show was Cody and I for the NWA title, you know? So I think that when guys, anytime guys like Harley and Dory see that someone is able to take a championship like that, you know, I'm sure that it meant a lot to them because, and, and they've told me privately, you know, that it meant a lot to them to see that someone was able to, to actually make people care about that championship again to the point where there was, you know, 10,000 people or 11,000 people, you know, on their feet, you know, at the bell. So it's like that once you do, once you're able to do something like that, you kind of, you kind of earn your stripes with them. And, um, it meant a great deal to me that Harley was, you know, so gracious to me. And, and he's just, he's, he's an icon. You know, when you talk to him, you just, you listen because he's a, he's a genuine, authentic, 
world champion and the same with Dory Funk Jr. And it's um, like, I'm, I'm very, I was actually working on my speech uh, when you called because I'm, um, I'm presenting Dory Funk with the, uh, the Luthez Award at the Cauliflower Alley Club in a couple of weeks wow. um, in That's Las awesome. Vegas. You know, and it, and it means a lot to me because it's, he could have asked any number of people to do that and they probably would have done it, you know, and, and people who were who are, are more well-known than me and more qualified than me. But he, he chose me because he's proud of what I'm doing and, and he still watches everything. He's still active in the business. He still has a school. So he's still seeing everything that's been that's been happening. So, you know, he, he's been involved with it. He was there at NWA 70 to, you know, to, to shake our hands, like Cody and I, when we went in the ring for the main event. So it's like, you know, guys like that, that's passion, you know, and you don't teach that. And that, and that's that's what the NWA has, you know, I think. And, and because of the history, because of the legacy, there's a passion attached to it. And I think that you're seeing that in the fans, especially like the fans that I saw in Winston-Salem when I was down at WrestleCade, you know, I have I was in the, I was the NWA, I mean, I was the TNA champion when we were on Spike TV, you know, we were on, on national television, you know, and, and I was, so, you know, primetime cable television every week and I was the world champion and I didn't have anyone say to me the kind of things they've said to me while I've been the NWA champion with a YouTube show. You know, people people all over the world, young, old, have shook my hand and said, it's, it means a lot to me what you're doing with that. And, and, and uh, you know, thank you for bringing it back to prominence. And it means, you know, because, it, because the NWA unites generations of fans. Because to a lot of people, especially in the South, it represents their childhood or it represents their father's childhood. So then it so then there's a credibility attached to it where that we that we can then plug into, and it helps our product and it helps us grow. Because ultimately, you know, everyone has their own taste on what they like and don't like about the business. But I think that overall, I think it's pretty safe to say that one thing that's been lacking is credibility and authenticity as far as how it's presented you know it's it's very much purely entertainment now and we've lost the sports part of sports entertainment and i think that's what we've brought back is that sports feel mm -hmm. yep for sure um last question i know you're busy i'll let you go um you have you're facing marty scroll uh at this big event the crockett cup i know i was there in person during the tv tapings when the match was made official and you could feel the energy uh, in the room and then the emotion that both of you had in making this match. Um, just talk about how have the, uh, someone that you grew up in the business with, essentially, uh, as Marty, and kind of come full circle in this kind of environment, in this kind of a match, in this kind of a way. It's great, and I hope that it's the first of many, because we, we get, you know, again, you can't, you can't fake authenticity, you know, and when when you have something like that, it's that when they have that serendipitous situation where both of us have gone, we we did take diff, very different paths, but we did train together. We have been very close friends, you know, right from the start, and we've and he, we've always been, uh, you know, each other's advisors, and and you know, obviously, I I'm a, a couple of years older than him, and I and because I was. I was a heavyweight and I had a, you know, a better look and stuff in the beginning, I got more opportunities, you know, but we always knew he was good enough. It just took a little longer for him because, 
you know, when you're that size, you need, you have to prove that you can go, you know, and you're not going to have as many, you know, you're not going to get your foot in the door quite as quickly, but everywhere I went, whether it be for Brian Dixon and all-star wrestling in the UK, and then to, uh, you know, when I, when I came to TNA, obviously, and anywhere else I went, I, I always, whenever there was a question about, you know, who, who else should we be looking at? He was always on that list for me because I knew that I knew what was there. Um, but then what was really interesting was fast forward to 2015 and, you know, I find myself a free agent again, um, kind of disappointed that, you know, that, that WWE didn't extend an opportunity to me. I was sort of, I was left wondering what to do because, you know, WWE have their reasons and whatever they are, like no one seems to be talking and people I'm sort of sick and tired of answering the question because I don't know the answer, but it was, it left me in a, in a predicament because I went, you know, what do I do here? Like, because the, the business was so, so dominated by one thing. And I had done, obviously I could have, you know, there was, there were places like New Japan and Ring of Honor and stuff, but as far as, exposure and money and and everything i'd pretty much gone as high as i could go without wwe you know with by by being on top at tna when we you know we're on cable tv on spike and stuff so it was like i didn't know i wasn't sure where i was going and and, and i had a real sort of i had a, a real crossroads there for for a moment and it was actually it was looking at marty and his success that inspired me and and it worked out that way because i then then when it brought David Lugana, Billy Corgan, and myself together. A lot of that stuff was was inspired by people like Marty, who who went out there and said, "Wait, I can reach everybody. I can reach this audience without needing to be under contract to any one promotion. I can just produce my own vignettes. I can produce my own stuff. I can create a character and present it, you know, in a far more effective way." in this modern era than you ever could before. And, um, I ended up, uh, contact, I, you know, me and my always stayed close anyway, but I ended up asking him to put me in touch with the guy who had shot and edited his, his first villain vignettes. And, um, and I went and shot some stuff with him in London. And, um, as, as luck would have it, just, just as they were going out, that was when I, when, the NWA thing sort of started, but it was also when um, Tommy Dreamer contacted me to go and do some stuff at House of Hardcore, and so we used those there. And I think right right away, just those couple of vignettes that I shot, that you know, they, they, they didn't get a lot of traction sort of worldwide or anything like that. But that just when they, you know, you played them for house and shit, you just saw this. You're gonna have this moment where you could see people go, oh yeah, you know, like and and I knew then what with Dave's talent as a as a, you know, as an editor and a producer and stuff. And then with the NWA and everything, I knew what we had to do, you know, and, and we all kind of got it pretty quickly because we went, look, you know, anyone can, can, you know, can, can book a bunch of wrestlers. Can, you can book all the, all the hot indie darlings and put on a super card and oh, a dream match and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's, it's whatever, you know, like it's, it's going to be, it's going to be good for one night and people are going to, you know, say it was awesome and that's going to be the end of it. But to, to get people to care, you've got to go, you've got to really do long form artistic stuff. 
and it's just funny to me that people sort of approach say that, that what we've done is you know old school and i keep i keep getting labeled as like a throwback and stuff and obviously i take that as a compliment but like what's interesting is that we did we've done things in the most modern way i mean like look around and you see how many people are ripping off 10 pounds now like you know there's all suddenly there's all these series the road to this and the build up to this and it's like where'd they get that idea from you know and it's like and look, we're, we're, look it's cool like we don't you know we don't like we're cool with it because you know at the end of the day we we've built our brand and our legacy you know the 10 pounds of gold in the nwa and but it, this is just the beginning this is what we've done with a, a three-man really essentially a three-man operation now obviously there are other players you know satellite players so to speak but as far as like the creative i suppose if you want to call it that there's there's three people you know it's billy dave and myself and we've just proven that when you collaborate with talented people and you everybody works to you know common goals and like what's best for business and you know god forbid everybody kind of looks to protect themselves which is what you're supposed to do in this business you know ultimately what comes out is something that the fans can latch onto and, and really believe is authentic you know because there's a sort of there's this negativity kind of attached to um wrestlers who are trying to protect themselves you know and wrestlers who who try to you know who are looking out for their interests you know that there's sort of a negativity that's attached to that in the modern era and that's that's not right that's it that you know because we're independent contractors right and as long as we are independent contractors everyone does have to look out for their own interests but it doesn't mean that you you don't work with other people. It doesn't mean that you, you can't agree. What happens is is that you create compromises and you make plans. And if you're and if you're if you're about business, you know, and you know, okay, the fans. Ultimately, it comes down to our fans going to pay to see this, and we've proven that. Yes, they will. With you know, with Cody and I, and now Marty and I, and and with other things I've done. I mean. There, you know, we don't we don't crow on about it because it's because it's not important to us. But we've been to several independent promotions who have sold out. You know, when I've been there, like and Ring of Honor sold out Center Stage. You know, that first Center Stage TV taping without Cody, the Young Bucks, Hangman. You know, there was they headlined it with with me and PJ Black for the title, and it was sold out. So it's like we're we're very confident that what we've done is resonating and. and all I'd say is that you know anyone who's who's uh, unsure about it is to go check out Ten Pounds, check out the Crockett Cup, check out you know Cody and I from All In, or check out NWA Seventy, and just realize that that what you've seen so far is literally uh, like a, us with a on a shoestring budget, you know, and collaborating with other people, and and as things move forward and we level up, like look out. Mm-hmm. Possibilities are endless. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been fun to see no the evolution of what you guys have started and what you're going and where you're going with it. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. <laughs>
Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you very much to our champions for joining us here, Matt Taven and Nick Aldis. Uh, of course, again, Crockett Cup going down this Saturday night. You can go over to our Twitter uh, Twitter feed right now, find the contest to win a free promo code to watch it on Fight this Saturday night. Of course, we also have contests running uh, right now. Today uh, is going to be the end of the promo code contest for GCW's Crime Wave. So if you want to watch Crime Wave, go over right now, enter 3 o'clock. Central is when I'm cutting off. Uh, the entries for that. We also are running a promo code contest for Impact's Rebellion this Sunday night. So go over, win all the promo codes, watch these shows for free. Um, of course, uh, I'll be back on Friday uh, on the Ringside Wrestling app alongside Raj Geary for our new video, Friday Winkly. It's free to download the Ringside Wrestling app. Join us. We're having a great time over there. It's getting better week by week. Uh, and, uh, of course, go over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. to go get your Jack, the Jack Journalist, t-shirt so you can sport that and look cool and let everybody know that this is the website you go to for all your pro wrestling news tomorrow on the show uh we're closing it out thursday is going to be a fun one we had two champions today yesterday we had darren young and gail cam i like to i like to have like themes now when i pair the interviews together so like gail kim darren young on tuesday that was like the trailblazers right that was our trailblazers day today easy one today was world champions day we had two world champions Tomorrow, it's going to be a fun Thursday. we got two very fun people on the show here tomorrow. First, you're going to get my interview with Marco Stunt, who is like 22 years old and is experiencing some massive success right now in the pro wrestling space. Just got back from injury. I know you guys are going to love that interview. But also, Andy Malnoski got to interview Teddy Long. Marco Stunt and Teddy Long tomorrow. What a fun duo. Very excited about this, Justin. Well, in keeping with the fun gimmick, there's the Firefly Funhouse, and this Friday on my Wrestling Reality Podcast that comes out at 7 a.m. on Friday, I have an interview with the man who was the director behind the Firefly Funhouse and worked on the concept with WWE and Bray Wyatt. I'm, I'm upset that you got this interview just because, like, after that, I, st- I tried to poke around to some people to find out who, who was working on that, actually, who wrote and directed that, and I didn't hear back from anybody, unfortunately. But I'm very excited to listen to this interview, and uh, maybe tomorrow... If we can work it out, uh, I'll do the mailbag, and maybe we can play like a clip from your interview for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it, it was it was cool to talk to him. Obviously, there's obviously certain things he just couldn't say because you know couldn't give up certain things that are gonna be. But it was fun to talk to him and uh, and get some in, you know working with Bray and and, and this per, and this person who I'll introduce tomorrow and introduce in the interview uh, has done quite a bit of work with WWE and has made quite a bit of. Um, props that we've seen on wwe television that we did not know where they came from and now we know oh yes this is good this is good these are the kinds of people i like to talk to kind of the fly on the wall types that you don't get to hear from a whole lot that have like a ton of stories so very cool very excited for that one tomorrow uh anything else you want to plug promote put over here to wrap up the show justin no just my social media at justin labar give me a follow cool and i am at wink rebel over on twitter thanks so much for listening everybody and remember if you winked you didn't miss it